Welcome, New Life Downtown. How are you feeling this morning? Good? Uh, like Jesse said, I'm Pastor Jeremiah Parks. I'm one of the pastors up at the North Campus that can be seen from outer space, which I, I, didn't, I didn't know that was true, but I'm sure it is. Uh, it's great to be with you guys today, and we, we are continuing in the Easter season as the church calendar follows, uh, and today we're going to be talking about resurrection, specifically the new you. And so if, if you've been here over the last several weeks, uh, you might remember just about a month ago I was here with you guys. And we kicked off the Lament series leading up to Easter, and we actually talked about suffering, and you guys were all so pumped, and you left that day saying, I'm ready to suffer, let's go. We had a good time. And and really, over those weeks, uh, Pastor Glenn led you through these ideas of anguish and anxiety and grief and sorrow and loss and how we journey with Jesus to the cross that he understands our suffering, he understands our grief and our loss. And then the good news is that it's not over there. It doesn't end there because of the cross and because of the resurrection. There's a different ending. Our stories change. Our stories have a power in them. And so last week, you'll remember that several times throughout service, I'm sure I wasn't here, I was at the North Campus, but I know that you, that you heard and then repeated, the Lord is risen, and you said... Yes, and so I heard last week uh, that there was someone who said, you know, they made us say that like 12 times during the service. It, the Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. He's risen indeed. And he said, you know, it's, it's not like it just now happened today. You know, we're kind of acting like it just happened, but it happened a long time ago, and we already knew about this, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting statement, though, because... What it shows is that we are, when we remember, it's the whole reason that we, that we go through Lent and then we celebrate Easter, we're remembering what happened. We are, in a sense, reliving what happened, to be in touch with it again, to understand it, to wrap our minds around it, to wrap our hearts around it yet again. It's good for us to remember. So last week, uh, I had the amazing privilege of meeting a young guy, 23-year-old, his name's Zane. Zane got up, came to church for the very first time on Easter Sunday. Without a friend, without a family member, he walks into the doors of new life. He's sitting in the audience, and as Pastor Brady is speaking, preaching the gospel, Zane feels overwhelmed with the good news of Jesus, and he starts to weep sitting in his seat, and he says, it, it's like God was speaking to me. He was speaking to me directly. And that day, I got, I got to meet Zane, and he gave his life to Jesus. And Zane experienced the power of the resurrection. He was made new that day, that moment, and he felt it. And he said, I, I feel so different. This is amazing. This is incredible. Zane experienced the resurrection. But I asked the question, and this is what I want to wrestle with today, is for all of us who know the resurrection. We know the story. For many of us, we've been following the Lord since we were very young. For many of us, maybe, you know, it's been years and years. Maybe you're sitting here today and it hasn't been too long for you. But the power of the resurrection, you know that it's there and yet we still wrestle, right? Yet we still struggle. So all the things we talked about in the lament series, the grief, the sorrow, the suffering, the shame, the loss, it's not like we celebrated Easter and now all those things are gone, right? You might say, well, I'm still in the middle of this. 
I'm still wrestling with this, and sometimes I feel like I'm living in the power of the resurrection, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes I can touch it, and I can feel it, and I can see it, and sometimes I can't touch it, and I can't seem to feel it, and I can't seem to see it. And you might think about Zane and say, boy, it's, it's amazing that he's experiencing that resurrection power for the first time. But I know he's in for it. I know he's going to hit a wall. I know he's going to realize, wow, this is harder than I thought. Or it's been a couple of months and I don't feel the same way that I did that day that I gave my life to Jesus. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever felt that way? Yes, of course. It's universal. We all feel it. If, if anyone in here, if you told me that since the day I gave my life to Jesus, I've been on cloud nine, it has been like a whole different thing, and I've never felt sad, I've never had a bad day, come up here and I'll just give you the mic and, and just tell us, tell us how, that, how you're doing that. No, it, it doesn't work that way. We, we, we have our ups and downs, but it's like um, when my wife Nikki is here, right over here, Nikki and my three little kiddos, you guys want to wave to everybody? This is Camden and Asher and Afton and my sweet wife, Nikki. Well, I remember when Nikki and I got engaged, um, I, several people said this to me, and all of you who are married, maybe you can, maybe you relate to this, but several people say to me, oh, you're engaged, you're getting married, it's awesome, that's so exciting. You know what, enjoy the honeymoon, because after that, and then you can guess what follows, you know. It, it gets tough, you know, reality sets in, marriage can be really difficult, and it scared me. I was like, oh boy, okay, this is, uh, let's think about this, but it made me say, okay, maybe, maybe marriage has to do with the perspective that I have. If I expect that we're going to fight all the time, and I expect that we're going to be down in the trenches, and I'm going to be saying, God, thank you for marriage, but this is one of the hardest things I've ever experienced, and but I know you're working patience in me through that woman over there, you know. But that wasn't the perspective. I went into marriage with a different perspective. And today I want to talk about us having a different perspective, looking at it a different way. I remember my friend Chris in high school, he was so excited for Jesus. He, he gave his life to the Lord. He was one of those guys just on fire. He was zealous. He was telling everybody about the Lord. And after a little while, he came to me and said, Jeremiah, I just can't do this. I can't do it. I can't, I can't fix the people around me. I can't even fix myself. I'm still struggling. I, I tried it, and it doesn't work for me. I just can't do it. And it makes me ask the question, is, is Christianity, this following Jesus, is it, is it like a diet? Is it like the latest fad diet? where we get inspired, and then out of that inspiration, we change, and we hope for really good results? Is it like that? Or is, is this life of Christianity like learning how to fly a jet, where you get all the information, and you study, and you learn, and you take what you've learned, and you applied it, and you begin to master something? Is it like that? Well, let's look at Scripture. In Romans 8.29, I love this verse. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he 
being Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So Jesus is working in us, conforming us to the image of himself. This is the resurrection, my friends. This is the power of the resurrection. And Jesus, when it's scripture saying there that he might be the firstborn, doesn't mean that it, it's not in the same sense of he was, he was born of God and then he's the first child of God and now we're becoming children. It has to do with his life on the earth and his resurrection, the firstborn. And we'll get, we'll get to more of, the, of that here in just a second. But what this leads us to understand is that, no, it's, Christianity is not like a diet. It's not like mastering something, like learning how to fly a jet. It's more like transformation. It's more like a, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's complete new reality, complete transformation, becoming something different. You know, Jesus' life and his death on the cross isn't just about the sin issue. He didn't come, die on the cross, just to deal with sin. Obviously, that's a huge part of it, very, very big part. We definitely don't want to leave that out. Significant, right? But if it were only for sin, I wonder, I imagine, could it have worked differently? And I, I, I picture Jesus up in heaven, and, and if he's just dealing with sin, he's come, he, it's time to come to the earth, right? So Jesus is looking at his watch. Well, I guess Jesus wouldn't have a watch, right? Wouldn't need a watch. Uh, X the watch, no watch. But Jesus says, hey, Father, is it time? Is it time for me to go? Father says, yes. Okay, here we go. And Jesus shoots down to earth like a lightning bolt. And he says, all right, guys, here I am. I'm here. I'm ready. Now, I'm come, I've come to deal with sin. And so it's, it's go time. Let's go to the cross. And, and he goes to the cross, and he says, all right, I'm ready. Let, crucify me, and I'm going to die for the sin of the world. I'm God. I have no sin. I'm here to die for you, to take your place, so you don't have to pay for all of your mistakes. Uh, and who knows? Maybe it could have worked that way. I, I mean, I suppose if God wanted it to, he could have done it that way. But I think the reason that he doesn't the reason that Jesus comes to the earth and lives the human experience and then, after many years of life on the earth, then he enters into his ministry. Then he goes to the cross. He dies for our sin and he's resurrected. It's because of this. Jesus is not just dealt with sin. Jesus is the prototype for us. He is the example. And the cross, the resurrection... The whole life of Jesus, it shows us this. Jesus is our model from the cradle to the grave. Cradle to grave. And then after the grave. And that's the power of the resurrection. Jesus showed us how to live. And then he showed us a completely new way and a new power to live. And it is the resurrection that gives us the power to be new. So Jesus then becomes, in the scripture we just read, Romans eight twenty nine, the firstborn among many brothers. It's after the resurrection that he is now a new kind of creature. Jesus has become a new man that has never been seen before. Do you understand that? Do you get that? Think about that. He didn't just come back to life. He came back to life in a resurrected body. He's the first. There, there was never before anyone like Jesus after the cross. He was God 
who became man, the God-man, and then lived the life of a human, was without sin, died on the cross. The Father raises Jesus from the dead, and now Jesus is the firstborn among many. And that means that you and I are now able to be like Jesus. Resurrection power. So he is the prototype. So the Father expects us, expects you and I to live like Jesus. Oh, that's so much pressure, right? How can I live like Jesus? How can I be like him? You know, it's easy for him. It's easy for Jesus because he's God, right? I'm not God. How can, I, how can the Father expect me to be like his son? How can I live like him? It's just not fair, right? It's not fair for the Father to expect us to live like Jesus when Jesus was God. And I, this is a question that I hear so many times from people like, you know, it just, it, it's, it, it just doesn't seem right that the Father would expect the same from us. But think about this. Jesus, yes, he was fully God, but he also lived as a human. He had a human experience. He wasn't just a man. He was God, but he was absolutely and completely a man. So throughout the ages, there have been different heresies that have, that have formed around this idea of trying to understand the identity of Christ on the earth. So Arianism is one of them, docetism, you, maybe you've heard some of these words, just confusion over what it meant that Jesus was son of God and still fully man. So there's a word called hypostatic union, a, the, a word of theology, hypostatic union. And, and this is an idea that kind of helps us understand Jesus as a man, fully God, fully man. It wasn't that he, that he stepped out of being God, but he did, he had this static union where he was not operating out of his godness. He wasn't using his God powers. He was still in identity, yes, absolutely son of God, eternally God. As we know in the Nicene Creed that he's of the same substance of God, begotten, not made of God. But he wasn't acting in his God power. Now, if you think about this, this has really huge ramifications because as Jesus lives his life on the earth and as he hurts and he's tired and he's hungry or he suffers, all the things we talked about in the Lament series, he's not faking it. It's real. He's not, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane going through all of the difficulty and kind of peeking out of the corner of his eye to see if the disciples are watching. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, this is tough. Oh, this is hard. And when they're not looking, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, no problem. No, he's, he's fully living it. Those are real emotions, real experiences because he's a man. And he's not acting in his power as God. He's not doing miracles. Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't start performing miracles until he started his ministry, until he was baptized in the Spirit? We're going to get to that in a minute. So if this is true, if it's true that Jesus is our prototype, and it's true that he has showed us the way to live, and that his resurrection has given us power to live in a new way, then surely... We've been given everything that we need from God to live like his son, Jesus. For, and 2 Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Resurrection, the resurrection empowers us not to try harder, but to be. Not to try harder, but to be. And I know for all of us, we've all been down the road of trying harder. I know I have. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to start doing that. But the resurrection gives us the power to be. We all get stuck sometimes. So, okay, if, if we understand this is true, how, how then, how, how do we get out of the, the bad habits and the systems, the cycles that we get stuck in? Where it's, I'm in touch, I get it, I'm living in it, and then I get out of it again. How does that happen? And, and we know that grace covers us and we're forgiven and we are always in Christ, but how do we actually live in the reality of the resurrection? How do we walk in it? I think that's what we all really are interested in today is understanding not just the big ideas and the philosophy, but how do I actually take this, what you're talking about? Like, okay, Jesus has, he is, uh, he's risen. Yes, he's risen indeed. Okay, so how does that change my daily life? How do I walk in that power? And so I want, to, I want us to think about three words here we're going to unpack for the rest of our time. And that is realize, remember, and reproduce. Realize, remember, and reproduce. And I think these three things really help us to grasp the reality of the resurrection in our lives and to live in it. So first of all, to realize, let's read in John 14, 19 through 20. Jesus is speaking here and he says, because I live, you also will live. Okay, and, and he says here, I'm telling you this, even this is before his death, but he says, I'm telling you this now so you'll understand it later. So because I live, you also will live. This is the power of the resurrection, okay? So the resurrection power in us. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. But the key word I want to focus on there, he says, on that day you will realize. When you realize, it's a game changer. When you realize something, it, it, it has the power to change your life. So let me ask you this question. If I do not realize a truth, does it make it less true? Oh, officer, I didn't realize the speed limit was only 55. Was I going 75? Whoops. Just because I didn't realize it, doesn't make it less true. But on the other hand, when I do realize it, it can be an absolute game changer. So imagine an eagle that thinks he's a turkey, okay? Doesn't realize that he's an eagle, thinks he's a turkey. So he lives with turkeys, walks around, eats food off the ground, corn or whatever he can find, can't fly, hops, maybe can hop up into a tree and that's about as far as he can get. But then one day the eagle realizes, wait a minute, I'm not a turkey. I don't look like these other guys. And he sees an eagle in the sky and says, that's what I am. And he starts to fly. Total game changer, right? Now he's soaring through the sky. And, you know, the metaphor goes on and on and it's beautiful. You could just think through it, you know. Soaring above the storms, snatching fish out of the water. He's a bird of prey. He's a whole, he's a whole different creature. But his realizing didn't change what he was. It just changed his experience. It changed the way that he lived. I had an experience like this 
um, years ago, I was going through a difficult time in life and was really seeking the Lord uh, fervently about it and just looking for, looking for some, some comfort from God. And after several weeks, one night, I was, I was in my house, I was looking out the window, and I heard the Lord speak. And it was, it was so strange, it caught me off guard, but I felt that the Lord said to me, if you knew who you would be in a thousand years from now, it would completely change who you are right now. Think about that. If you knew who you would be in a thousand years from now, and I was like, whoa, God, is that you? Is that, that's so weird. Was that me? And I started thinking about this idea, and I realized, okay, let's follow this train of thought. A thousand years from now, I will have been in the perfect presence of God for hundreds of years, a long, long time. I won't know what it's like to be afraid or to be insecure. I won't wrestle with the same things I wrestle with now. I I don't know if I'll even remember those things. I'll be a totally different person. And God is saying that reality of who you will be in the future is true of you now. You are righteous in me now. You're not going to become more righteous after you die. You are righteous right now because of what I did on the cross. And my power is in you. You have my love. You are different. If you just understand it, you can live out of it. So there's a few things that we need to realize that we have, the things that God has empowered us with. And so the first one is that we need to realize that we have the same love as Jesus. The same love as Jesus. Here's what I mean. In, uh, in John chapter 17, verse 26, this is Jesus speaking. He says, he's talking to the Father and he says, I've made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be born in them and I in them. So see, Jesus is saying, Father, the same love with, with which you have loved me, I have loved them with. And that love is now in them. In Ephesians 3.17, we heard this read earlier. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I believe there is a direct correlation between us understanding. And and see, even in the scripture, it says it passes knowledge. But we wrestle with and we we open our hearts and we say, Lord, give us the power to understand your love for us. When we understand his love, I think it is directly correlated to the fullness of Christ that is expressed in us, that is revealed in us. It's there. The fullness of Christ is in us now. But when we understand that we're loved, it flows out of us. And maybe you've experienced this. I know I have. Where I start to operate... I'm doing all the same things that I would normally do, but when it's not in love, when I forget that I'm loved, then it becomes legalism. Then it just becomes actions, and it's religion, and it's not relationship with God. So realizing that we have the same love as Jesus is critical. We have, secondly, the same mission as Jesus. We have the same mission as Jesus. John... uh, Chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then in Matthew 5, 14, he says, You are the light of the world. 
So after his resurrection, Jesus goes back to heaven. He says, it's better that I'm going to go. The Father's going to send the Spirit, and he gives us what we call the Great Commission, go into the world and preach the gospel. And he talks about signs and wonders and all of these things. He's empowering us. He says, the things I do, you'll do greater things. We also heard that read earlier in the reading from John. So we have the same mission. It is to reveal the Father. Jesus said, I'm the light. He's, he's the light that is shining on the Father when he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now he says, you are the light. We are the light that shines to reveal the Father, to show the way to the Father. So we have the same mission as Jesus. And then, this is the really exciting thing. Jesus doesn't just ask us to go do the same stuff that he was doing as just ordinary, regular humans, but he asks us to go in power of the resurrection. So again, the resurrection power in us enables us to live like him. And so lastly, we have the same power as Jesus. In Matthew 3.16, says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. Now notice, it was after this that he began his ministry and he started to perform miracles. Jesus was living like a man, performing miracles by the power of the Spirit of God. That's why he never, he never did a miracle until after he was baptized in the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17, now, now let's look at what this means for us. And the, or no, sorry, this is still Jesus. It says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, given to Jesus, He unrolled it, he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, so now let's look at us. Same author, Luke, in Luke 24, 49, he says, and behold... I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the same power. Okay, again, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 4, this is also the same author, Luke. He says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit came, gave them power, and it changed. If you read Acts These apostles and disciples were completely different people after the resurrection and after the Spirit came. These these guys, they were bold. They were proclaiming the gospel. They were seeing miracles happen. And also, if you're taking notes, let me give you two other quick verses uh, you can look up later. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. And Romans 8, 11. And both of those scriptures talk about the power that works in us, the spirit that works in us, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So we've got some power, my friends. Power to affect the world around us. Power to display the kingdom and to live in it. Okay, so secondly, we have to remember. So this is the realizing. Now it's time to remember. So, so you can know these things and understand them, but we forget. Life happens and you get stuck and you're, you're stressed out or there's a situation and you, and you get depressed about it. You get lonely and you forget. You forget who you are. And sometimes we lose that perspective and we have to get in touch with it again. We have to remember that we are loved. We have to remember that we're on a mission. We have to remember that we have the same power working in us. 
Right now, my wife and I are reading the Chronicles of Narnia to our, to our kiddos. Anybody ever read the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis? It's written for kids, but I highly recommend it as an adult. It, it really is amazing. Uh, I think Nikki and I are getting just as much out of it as the kids are, but we're a few books in now, but the second book in the, in the series is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You're probably all familiar with it. If, if you haven't read the book, you've probably seen the movie or the cartoon or something. In this story, it, it's really striking to me. Is I, I think Lewis is trying to tell us something about our identity in Christ and our future in him. If you remember the story, the four kids go into the wardrobe and they find themselves in Narnia. It's Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. And after their adventure there, I, the, the, the story ends with in Narnia with them growing up and becoming kings and queens and ruling in Narnia. And they have this interaction with Aslan who represents Christ. He's the Christ figure in the story. And he gives them power to reign. Well then at the end of the story, after years and years and years of reigning in Narnia, they're, they're chasing the white stag. Does anybody remember this? They're chasing the white stag through the forest and they find themselves back at the lamppost and they're walking, and this, this seems familiar, and then suddenly they're back in the wardrobe. It, if you really put yourself in their shoes, it had to be quite a, quite a crazy trip, because all of a sudden, after years and years and years in Narnia, they're back in the wardrobe, they're little kids again, on earth, and no time has passed, like maybe just a minute in, in earth time. I wonder... These characters, how, how would that experience have changed them when they came back to earth and are now just kids again? They have all the memories, all the understanding that they, who they were in Narnia. They were kings and queens and they ruled. Do you see the correlation? The word of God says that we are kings and priests and that we will rule with him. When we remember our identity in him, when we get in touch with that, it's, tra- it's transformative for us. It empowers us. So we remember. Important that we remember. And then lastly, we reproduce. We reproduce. Now, I'm not talking about having children, although I believe in having children. It's great. Reproduction is great. Procreation with God. I'm all for it. You should all have kids. But that's not what I'm talking about. Reproduce. Let's reproduce this life and reality and kingdom and power that is in us, let's reproduce it. So first we realize that it's true. Then we have to constantly remember. We have to get in touch with it. We have to, we have to stick to this idea. That's why the preaching of the gospel is so powerful. That's why it's good for us to gather, to hear the truth spoken. It's good that we read the word, that we spend time with the Father, that we fellowship with him. But if we stop there, then we're just sitting around thinking about what is true. We have to reproduce it. We have to live in it. And you know, when you're reproducing this reality, it actually reinforces the whole thing in your life. So when you're struggling, if you're feeling depressed or anxious or you're battling this issue of sin, stop focusing on that thing. Just let the kingdom be reproduced in your life. And when you do, you'll, you'll feel life. You'll experience life. You'll live in it. There's this idea that we, that's described, maybe you've heard this phrase before, now, but not yet. Now, but not yet. We are completely sons and daughters of God. The power of God is in us. The same love, same mission, same power is in us. And it's there, but it's not completely fulfilled yet. 
When Jesus came to the earth, he said, behold, I bring the kingdom with me. So the kingdom is here. The kingdom expansion started with Jesus here on the earth. But we all know it's not fully here yet, right? We understand that. And if you would, you would tell me that I'm crazy if I tried to tell you that the fullness of the kingdom of God is here. Or if I told you that I'm fully living as a son of God and so can you. We know it's not true. I know it's not true when I look at my own heart and my own life. Every day, I, I, there are shortcomings. I fall short. When I look at the world, I can see that clearly the reign of God has not fully been established in the earth because there are still awful things happening. So it's here, but it's not yet. It's now, but it's not yet. And every time that we engage with reproducing this power in life, this love in us, we're touching the kingdom. We're bringing that reality here. We're pointing to it. We're glimpsing it. We're seeing it. We're feeling it. We're experiencing it. And people around us are seeing it too. Reproducing is a powerful thing. So, so let's talk about this practically here as we close. What, what does that look like to reproduce? What, what, as, as we go into our weeks, how does this affect our practical everyday life? Like if, if, if there's... Uh, a situation for Nikki and I, where there's an opportunity for us to get in a fight. How does this matter in that situation? Or when you're at work and there's a, you're tempted to, to be jealous of someone else's success or how much they earn or how someone looks, how, how does this really come into play? Well, here's how I think it works. When there's an opportunity for me to react with Nikki out of hurt, I choose to reproduce love instead because I know that I'm loved. Do you see how that, how that works? I know that I'm loved by God. The same love that the Father loved Jesus with, he loves me with. So even if I am hurt, I don't have to react out of the hurt because my identity isn't in my wife. It's in God. So I choose to reproduce the love of the kingdom, the love of the Father in that moment. Do you see, guys, this is very, it's very real. This is tactile. This is applicable to our everyday lives. This isn't just airy-fairy pie in the sky. We reproduce love. If I'm feeling insecure, if I'm worried about the success of others, I choose love. I reproduce love. If I have an opportunity to talk about Jesus, I don't keep my mouth shut. I open my mouth and I choose to reproduce power, the power of God, because I want others to understand the kingdom. I want them to be exposed and experience it. And so I walk in that same power that Jesus walked in. You see, I reproduce. When there's an opportunity to believe God for a miracle, I choose to believe, okay? When there's sickness, I choose to pray for healing. I choose to reproduce. And I know, I know, Not every time we pray for a miracle, it happens. But I'll tell you this. If you don't ever ask, you won't ever see it. You won't. I've had times in my life where I've believed God for big things and they didn't happen. And there's disappointment there. And it's hard to understand why. But I've had times where I have believed God for miracles and I've seen them. I mean, crazy miracles. Supernatural things. But because it doesn't happen sometimes, does that mean we should just ignore it and not think about it? If you do ignore it and you don't ever ask, you won't see it. I, I mean, except for maybe some just blue moon wild chance. But those who seek, find. Those who ask, receive. Those who knock, the door will be open. So 
understanding that the kingdom is in you, the power is in you, reproduce that power. And the way you do that is every opportunity that you have, believe God for it. And that miracle can be healing, it can be financial, it can be a, you, you know someone who is just dying from depression. Pray for a miracle in their life, that depression be broken, that they understand who they are in Christ and that love explodes in them and there's healing. Okay? Believe God for miracles. Reproduce the love. So there's all kinds of opportunities for this. I, I would love for you to think about that here in just a moment as we're going to take, take a moment and pause. How can that love be reproduced? How can mission be reproduced in your everyday life? How can that same power that worked in Christ be reproduced in you day after day after day? So here's the deal, guys. The Father, he sees us for who we are right now, but he sees us for who we will be. And he knows the reality. So when you get frustrated with yourself because you're not quite making it, you're not quite living up to the expectation, don't be, because he's not frustrated with you. He understands. And I kind of get this when I look at my kids, and I look at Camden. It's my oldest son. Camden is just a little boy right now, but I know that he will one day be a man. And I will interact with him in a different way than I do right now. We will sit down and have a conversation that's more of a peer conversation. Do you see how that connects with God? Think about that. Is that what he's after? That eventually we are all going to be on a different level and a different kind of relationship with the Father for eternity? That the Father is, is so full of love, he said, I want a bunch of kids. And so he creates mankind, and then he gives us the power to become like him. That's the reason for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The power for us to be like God. So when you feel like you're not quite cutting it, don't beat yourself up. See yourself the way he does. Realize, remember, and reproduce because God is in you. The fullness of Christ is in you and you have the power to walk in it and to live in it. I close with this quote from C.S. Lewis. Obviously, you can see that I like C.S. Lewis. And you may, you may have heard this before because I, I know that Pastor Glenn loves loves him too. You may have heard this quote. It's from Mere Christianity, and he says, God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to, to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. It's not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. The resurrection has given us the power to be a different kind of person. So realize, remember, and reproduce. If you would, bow your heads. We're going to take a moment for silent reflection. Let's talk to the Lord about this reality.